I'm Matt Pridemore, and welcome to The Franchise Maker. As someone who came from a middle-class family, I never knew it was possible to have this level of success. If someone like me can create wealth, then anyone can. The world of franchising is wide open and full of opportunity. I'm going to show you how you can change your life by owning and building a franchise and how simple it truly is. Not only will I give you the advice and tools to build on your own, but also will interview some of the most successful folks in franchising today to hear their story. Join me each week for The Franchise Maker. Welcome into The Franchise Builder. It's Matt Pridemore along with you. And uh, today, very special guest, really excited to uh, talk in real estate uh, and, and have a lot of fun with it. Uh, on the other side of the screen, you see Mr. Mike Simmons. He's an entrepreneur, seven-figure business, real estate investor, uh, partner in one of the country's largest real estate mentorship mastermind companies. Um, as the master of taking strategic uh, risk, uh, he coaches other people uh, to do the same thing, to allow them to become unstoppable with their seven-figure investor system. He's got another system he wants to talk a little bit about. Really excited to kind of uh, weave those two in there. Uh, he's personally worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs. He's been on stage with, oh man, Gary Vaynerchuk and um, Russell Brunson, lots of others. Uh, been featured in Business Insider Magazine and also has a podcast, Just Start Real Estate. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. But overall, just want to talk business, have some fun, uh, bring some actionable pieces to you, our listener out there um, all around the world. Have a lot of fun with it and maybe even uh, talk about his, uh, his book. Um, that yeah, it, what is it? A, a million dollars that has uh, has gone on there, uh, generating generating a million dollars in his first year of business. And uh, so happy to have you, Mr. Mike Simmons. Welcome in, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you having me, and I'm excited to be here. Um, kind of uh, a, a little bit away from business. Uh, would like to know uh, if you if you had time to catch the Super Bowl Sunday night. Did you catch the Super Bowl? I wouldn't have missed it for the world. I'm a huge football fan. So, yeah, I saw it. Good stuff. Uh, did you have a team? Uh, what, was your team one of those teams? Um, no, it wasn't. And this is one of the few few Super Bowls because I have a lot of opinions about football and teams. And and there's I, I man, I tell you what, when I'm getting a shower, when I'm driving, when I'm just sort of like busy and I want something in the background, it's sports talk. It's football like NFL. So, no, I didn't have a team, but. Uh, Matt Stafford, who's the quarterback of the Rams, right. know, was a longtime Detroit Lions quarterback. Uh, I'm in was. Michigan. I'm not necessarily a Detroit fan, but I kind of felt like I was pulling for him a little bit. I, you know, he was in purgatory here for so long, and he finally went to a, a good organization with a good team around him, and he showed the kind of quarterback he was. So I was happy for him, but you know what? I would have been happy for the Bengals. Like, I've, I'm old enough to remember them being in the Super Bowl in the 80s, and they just got crushed every time they were there by by the uh, 49ers. So it would have been cool to see them win too, but I, I was happy just to have a good game. I really don't think anybody saw uh, the Bengals being there at the end of the year, or you know, by when everything started. I, I think everybody was thinking probably Tom Brady or or something like that on a repeat. Uh, but yeah. but I seeing those two teams and and what Stafford went through going. You know, he got beat up in Detroit and uh, um, yeah. unfortunately, you know, for, for whatever reason, the uh, you know, they, they've had the Sanderses and the, the Megatrons and things like that that have come through there. And I, I was glad to see him uh, be able to 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 do what he did. I, I think that was special. 
Um, yeah, me too. So uh, k- kind of jumping into the um, into the business side of the world. So you you are in real estate, and uh, what what has that journey looked like? Where you know a, a little bit of uh, pretense here. What you know? Where did you start? Where's the journey been? Yeah. So I uh, I'm in the Midwest. I'm in Michigan, like I said, and my family, my dad. And a lot of my relatives were in the automotive industry, are in the automotive industry, right? So for me, growing up, it was a lot of, you need to get a job at a union company, preferably an automotive company, Um, you know, work as many hours as they'll give you, put in your 30, 35 years and retire and live modestly. Like that was kind of what I was sort of taught that that's how life is. That's just what you do. There was literally nobody in my in my family or in my circle or in my universe that was self-employed successfully. Nobody. And so I I kind of followed the script that was given to me as a kid. I grew up, I went to school, I got decent grades. I got a job at UPS right out of high school. Teamsters Union, right? Strong union. My dad could not have been more excited. I thought I'm going to be here the rest of my life. So I didn't go to college right after high school. And I worked there for about five years, but I wrecked my back in the process. Like I was a 24 year old boy, basically. I know you're technically a man at 24, but like looking back, like I was a kid, I wrecked my back. I had to go to the chiropractor three days a week just to get out of bed as a 24 year old. And so I knew I couldn't stay there. And so Looking around, I got a job in the automotive industry, um, in sales, in the in the in the office part of it, uh, manufacturing facility. But I was in sales, and I thought, again, this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. And 2000 hit, right? And so tech knows what happened in 2000, but the automotive industry got demolished in 2000 around that time frame, also. And I was like, you know what? I'm not special. I don't have an education. I don't have a lot of experience. And so I went back to college, right? Still following the script. I went to college as an adult, as a 32-year-old at the time. Got my degree, got a new job, doubled my income, and thought, again, for the third time, this is where I will spend the rest of my life because I've, I've arrived, right? I knew my path. But, you know, I looked around at the industry that I was in, the automotive industry, and the, the jobs that I was aspiring to have, like ultimately the, where I thought I would end up in my career, where I wanted to be, those people were miserable, like they literally miserable. They hated their life. They hated their family. They hated their kid. Like they just hated everything. They were just unhappy. And I thought that is what my goal is like being that person, because it wasn't one person, everybody in that level of the, of the automotive industry that I came across was absolutely soul crushed and miserable. And so I started thinking about what else could I do? What else is out there? Like what, what should I do here? And I thought, at the very least, if I'm going to be in this industry and stay here and be miserable, I need to be able to invest so that I can retire earlier than I was thinking I was going to retire. And that's a long story. But essentially, when I was looking at what I, how I could invest my money, stocks and the stock market obviously is, is comes up as number one on Google. I, I was bored to tears trying to learn about the stock market and how to, how to do that. I didn't want any part of it. And so I eventually stumbled on real estate and it really lit me up. It turned something on inside of me. I was excited about it, but here's the worst thing. And I, I don't know if your, if your audience can relate, probably a lot of them can. I decided in 2003 that I wanted to invest in real estate. I wanted that to be my career. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. In 2003, I didn't buy my first house until 2008. So for five years, wow. I procrastinated, 
I was fearful. I lied to myself about, well, you know, I'm doing my due diligence. I'm trying to educate myself, which is, which is great. You need to educate yourself in anything you do, but there's a point of over-educating, right? Like, you know, enough at some point that you can get started. And I just, I, I was afraid to get started for five years. And so I know what that feels like people who are listening to this and who listen to your podcast and say, I really want to do that. And they go, ah, I'll do it next month, or I'll do it when the weather gets better. Or, I'll do it when the kids are back in school, or I'll do it after Christmas, right? You can, you can perpetually put things off because there's always something coming up in a few months that you think, ah, I'll just do it after that. Right. And I kind of did that for five years. So I know that feeling, but it's an absolute, it was an absolute prison in my own mind because I finally got my first house under contract when I hit the ultimate low where I just couldn't wake up and look at myself anymore and make another excuse for why I wasn't getting started. I just couldn't. I, I was more miserable with my procrastination and fear that made me more miserable than anything. And so I thought I'm going to go for it, and, but it took me five years. So I get it, but, but I wish I had those five years back because I, I did the math. I, I literally sat down and did the math and said, if those first five years were even half as successful as the last five years of my career, right? I left about $3 million on the table by getting started five years late, $3 million. And that's real. That's an actual like that's, that's math. That's just what it is. That's what I lost. Right. And so I wish I hadn't done that. And so I try to help people not do that. Wow. That's powerful. So it's kind of funny when I very first, you know, saw you and, and saw the name that, that obviously that triggered in my head that I started to look back and see in my own life, you know, what were those pieces that made me just start? And is that kind of, you know, was there, was there one trigger, one one moment within that, um, you know, the the name of Just Start? Is that kind of where it came from? Of yeah, just start? I was so was yeah. It left such an impression on me the way that I had kind, you know, the way I look at it. I don't, I know that it's it's not really productive to beat yourself up and to regret. I get that, right? But I was so mad at myself for waiting once I finally got because once I got started, by the way it was like I got a shot of adrenaline. Like I couldn't get enough. I was making offers. I was buying houses. Like I went crazy. But when I started my podcast, I just know what, what I lacked was a feeling that I could do it. And I just wanted to create something where, and, and also I'm a sort of an introvert, honestly. And so I wasn't great at asking for help and reaching out and asking people to help me. And I didn't know who or where to turn to get answers to some of my questions that I had. And so I created Just Our Real Estate to help me in 2003 understand that I can do it and to answer some of the questions that I had back then that I was too afraid to ask anyone. So I, I procrastinated. Yeah, that really interesting. And with that timeline of what you went through, um, you know, it, getting up to that, uh, to what real estate went through in, uh, you know, 08, 09 and 10, um, would like to kind of pick your brain a little bit on, uh, uh, you know, with, with what we're seeing right now in real estate, it, mm -hmm. is your, has, is that changing your approach? Um, is your approach now going to be a lot different than, you know, is there anything going on in real estate with the, you know, the, the pricing increases and things like that? Is that going to make yep. you approach differently than you did back then? 
hundred percent. So when people, people ask me this all the time, because they know I'm in real estate. I'm not an agent, by the way, I'm, I'm pure real estate investor. I don't sell retail properties, sure. but um, people ask me all the time because they know I'm in real estate. How's the market? Okay. The market is what it is, right? The market has no positive or negative feelings toward anything. It just is what it is. The way that you react to the market and your approach, to your point, the approach that you take changes when the market changes. So when we're in a seller's market, which is where we are now, you have as an investor, you have to change your approach. When it, when it ultimately starts declining, and it, I'm sure it will at some point, and it becomes more of a buyer's market, then you change your approach again. So the market is like saying, how's the table? The table is just sitting there. It's fine, right? Or how's the weather? I know people, when it snows, they're happier than when the sun's out. They love snow and they love skiing and they love being in the snow, right? So if you ask them, how's the weather? And they say, it's great. It could be because it's snowing, right? So the weather doesn't have a feeling. It's just how you react to it. Do you react negatively when it rains? What do you do, right? The market is the same way. The market is phenomenal right now. And it just means as a seller's market, we have to realize it's going to be more challenging to find deals at a discount than it was 10 years ago. But when we go to sell them, it's phenomenal, right? So half of the market is almost always phenomenal, right? Either when we're selling or when we're buying. One or the other is going to be phenomenal. You just have to change, you know, the book that's uh, um, called Move, uh, Move with the Cheese, right? You have to move with the cheese. Mm -hmm. when, when the cheese oh, yeah. moves, yeah. yeah, you have to move when the cheese moves. So. The market is always great. So when people ask me to my original point, how's the market? I say, great. I said, great 10 years ago. I'll say great 10 years from now. It's always great because I know what to do when the market shifts. And that's the key. Yeah, no, very, very, uh, very insightful. Um, so some of your weaknesses early on that, you know, it, it was, like you said, it was tough to find mentors, um, tough to find other people. Uh, that were doing what you were doing and you had to take some of those arrows in your own back that I think, you know, maybe if some, if somebody could look to you as a mentor or a guide or a coach yeah. now, they might be able to, uh, to, you know, they, they might be able to, to kind of steer a different way, but what were some of those weaknesses personally that you had early on that you feel like you got better, even though you had to take those in, in your own back? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So, Probably my biggest weakness was lack of systems. So when I was starting out, I was it was me and my wife running our business. And every time we got a house under contract to flip, and we were we were flippers back then. All we did was flip properties. But when we got a new property, we would start over from scratch, like new paint. You know, we'd go out and re-look at all the paint swatches, and then we'd look at all the flooring options and all the cabinets. We would re-look and go to a different store. It's like we had no repeatable process, and so we were wildly inefficient. We couldn't do as many flips or as many projects at once as we should have been able to do because we were reinventing the wheel. But the biggest thing, you hit on it, no, no real mentors. And so... Our thoughts or our ideas or the way that we were running our business was confined to what we could imagine or what we knew, right? And so it's very limiting. But when you find 
or put yourself in rooms or find someone who's achieved at a significantly higher level than you in your industry. And you can sit with them and extract a little bit from them and kind of understand what they did to grow and scale their business successfully. You can take major leaps in your business because now you're getting information that wasn't intuitive to you. It, it wasn't part of your experience. And you're getting beyond your little bubble of knowledge that you have. Everyone has a little bubble of knowledge, but it's it's very finite. It's very much what you've experienced in your life. And I told you, I had no entrepreneurs in my life anywhere. And so I was kind of making it up as I went along. And it's really important to note, if you look, and I've given this presentation on stage, but if you look at a graph of my company's revenue, it literally goes like it's gradually going up. And I mean, very gradually increasing over the about five year period where I was going it alone. But at one point, it hockey sticks, right? It goes almost straight up. It's it's meteoric, the, the change, right? And that's when I went from doing like just a little bit of business, a couple of flips here and there to doing over a million dollars in profits. I did that in 12 months. Wow. And, and then so you always circle that point in the graph, like what happened there, right? It's a logical question. Anyone who sees a graph would go, this is, this is great, but I need to know what happened right here. That's the important, that was the pivot point, right? What happened is I joined a mastermind. I got coaching. I found some mentors, people who were light years ahead of me in the exact same business that I was running that were willing to sit down, open the playbook, and just show me very transparently what they did and what they were doing. And they were available to me if I had questions. That was everything to me. I went from not knowing what to do and having this, this goal, but not a clue how to get there to having very, very clear set of guidelines of how I need to get from where I was to where I want to go. And it was 100% coaching and mentoring. It, that's the key. And I, I think that's the key for anybody. That Very interesting on that point. So when you first got into investing um, and, and being in real estate, what, your, your why, we always talk about the why that goes on, mm -hmm. was your why at that point, was your why to to get into the coaching side of things, or was it no. when you when you started to get to the when you when you know at what point did you realize I can be a mentor as well? I can be a coach. I can show all these other people. You know, is that is that is that about that point? Um, yeah, where, where did that it was a little. It was a little after that point. I never got into the mastermind or coaching or real estate to be a coach or a mentor ever. Matter of fact. That really was not something I wanted to do. I wanted to grow a real estate business and I wanted to have a large, successful real estate business. And I was able to do that. But once I hit that hockey stick growth, right, the year after that happened, right? So I had one year of like massive success. The following year, I was still in the mastermind. And so I approached the folks that were running it at the time. And I'm like, this has transformed my life. Like, I will never be the same and I will always be financially free. I want to help you help other people do that. And so I got involved as someone who saw the power of, of mentors and coaches. I saw that power and I just wanted to help other people because I could not believe what it had done for me. And so that started that journey, but I didn't, and I was teaching inside of a mastermind. Like I was just one of a few people that were, were coaching inside this mastermind, but to coach, to go out and create programs or do something of my own, I, that's a real recent thing for me. But I have literally six years of talking to, at this point, probably thousands of investors 
and mentoring and coaching and watching their business go from nothing or something very small to well over seven figures and approaching eight figures, right? I've seen massive success. And so I have not only the hindsight of my experience of what I saw when I was building my company, but now I have hundreds of other case studies of people that I have personally coached and mentored to seven figures and beyond that I can pull from. And I know what they did right and wrong. I know what I did right and wrong, but I know what they did right and wrong. And I can bring all of that now to people and, and help them do the same thing. I like it. So you, you've got a podcast yourself and uh, obviously probably, you know, once or twice a week, you've got guests that are coming on and talking to you. But other than that, what, what does a typical day look like for you, you know, in, in, in a week? That's funny. Um, so my day is different than most, you know, the, right in a world where the miracle morning is so in vogue and everyone talks about it. I am the opposite of the miracle morning. I do not get up early. I was working in a corporate environment for years and I don't wake up to alarms anymore. I refuse to wake up to a, a, an alarm. And so I wake up when I wake up and that's one of the most delightful perks of being successful in an entrepreneur. So I wake up when I wake up, usually that's around eight, eight thirty. Um, I get up, my wife and I have coffee until about 10, 10 30. Um, we talk, we connect. I, and by the way, I'm not a relationship guru or anything, but I'm telling you guys, if, if you, if you institute just a one hour in the morning or in the evening, whenever it's convenient, have coffee with your spouse and talk with the TV off or just music on or whatever, no distractions and just talk. That's revolutionary. But anyways, I do that in the morning. Uh, I start my day around 10, 10 30. Usually I get a shower. So now we're like close to 11, right? And then I, I come downstairs and start and start working in my office. And you, like you said, I got interviews that I do and things, but I run, um, I have a lending company that I started about a year ago where I lend money to real estate investors for their, for their deals, for their projects. And so I have some work to do on that. My podcast, obviously my, my real estate business, um, uh, where we do buy and sell houses uh, about a hundred a year is our average about a hundred a year. Um, I have that and uh, and I have my program that I'm launching uh, to help people do exactly what I've what I've been doing over the last six years. So that program is taking up some of my time now, a lot of my time and but it's I love it because i'm I'm pouring all this knowledge that's in my head into something that people can actually use and and use it to be successful much quicker than I was. So with the, the program you launched, I'm glad you mentioned that, something I did want to bring up a little bit. Who do you see as kind of a, a core candidate for somebody that might be watching this, that might have gotten into franchising, that might own their own business now, that, that they're saying, you know, maybe I want to branch out and get deeper into investing in real estate. What, what do you see as, you know, so, somebody that would be a good candidate for, for the program you're launching and maybe go a little bit deeper there? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think your audience is going to be unique. It's going to make my answer change a little bit than if I was talking to somebody else. Your audience, some of them or a lot of them, I presume, are running franchise. They, they, they have businesses. They understand how to run a business. And they want to branch off and maybe have a separate, maybe a side thing where they're doing real estate. So for them... If they've never done real estate before, but they've run businesses and they, they're, they're an entrepreneur, I think they could jump into my program and get a ton out of it. Normally, though, if somebody has never run a business, they're maybe just working in corporate or they're working in a factory or something. My course is, is a little bit advanced for that. It's not for someone who's never run a business and never done real estate. So it's typically my course is, is 
uh, aimed at people who have gotten their real estate business going. They've maybe done a few flips. They kind of understand the basics. They understand how things work, but they have no idea how to grow and scale and remove themselves from it, right? That's key. Nobody wants to have to be an entrepreneur to work 80 hours a week. Like that's miserable. So I want to teach people how to grow and scale a real estate business and remove themselves from it. Now your, your listeners, if they are already running a business or they've had that entrepreneurial experience, we're just adding the real estate component because I'm sure you know this, Matt, real estate, owning a franchise, whatever it is, there are business principles that are common to all of that, right? And so some of the business principles involved in my course, some of it will be refresher. Some of it will probably be a new perspective on the way they look at things, which could be very helpful, but I'm just going to be adding the real estate to it. And that we can do very, very quickly. So who is it for? It's for someone who's gotten their real estate business off the ground, but has no idea what to do to scale it and systematize it, or someone who's a successful business person who now wants to get into real estate and they sort of have the business principles and need some real estate knowledge so they can add some fuel to that. That's really who should be who should be going into my program. Okay. So if they haven't gotten to that point of where you would consider them a good candidate, you know, are, are there a few things if, if they're if they're just if they haven't taken the the first step, if they if they haven't just started, so to speak, you know, are, are, is there any any advice or in, any just you know common things that you could you could use that, that would say, hey, this this gets you on the right track. Let's let's get you here, yeah. and then maybe a year uh, maybe a year from now you might be ready to to be in the the, the newest course that I'm I'm talking. Yep, for sure. So I would suggest. Number one, not a shameless plug, but I would listen to my podcast because I, I talk real estate all the time. But more specifically, I have a Q&A on Wednesdays on my Facebook page. If you go to Just Start Real Estate on Facebook, I do a Q&A every Wednesday. So I'm doing one tonight. We're recording on a Wednesday where you can log in live and I answer questions live. So we can get you pretty far down the road. If you just log into that, you can ask me. It's free. Obviously, you can ask me all the questions you want and I'm there for you every single week and we can get you going. It doesn't take a lot. Right. But I don't want to I don't. And by the way, my course, if you're brand new and you take my course, it's not like it's all going to be irrelevant. Some of it will be down the road a little further from where you are. But in my course, I also do a Q&A at the end. So it's like four weeks. I present, I teach, but I also have a, a period of that where it's Q&A. So even within the course, if something was said that's just a little over your head, you can get clarification right there and then on that day. So there is a, a, an aspect of being able to further explain something that I covered in my course if you're a little new and it didn't quite make sense to you. So with your course, it, you know, if, if they did buy into to what you've got going on, is there any one-on-one -on -one time or is it Zoom calls or what What does that look like of, you know, kind of a yeah. schedule of, you know, is, yeah. it, is, it, is it a certain, you know, seven, 10 weeks or what, what what's going yep. on there? It, it's four weeks. It is a, a Zoom meeting, right? It's a Zoom meeting where I present for between 45 minutes and an hour and a half, depending on the day and, and the subject that we're talking about. And then we have about, 
a half an hour to 45 minutes. And I'm a little bit loose on that because I'm not going to shut it down hardcore when we hit a certain time. So we'll have Q&A for 30 to 45 minutes, depending on what's needed on what we just talked about in the, in that day, in that presentation, in that teach teaching moment. Or it could be about anything, right? If you have a question about something I didn't talk about, we can do that then too. So what it's designed for is I don't want this course to be I present it and I turn my camera off and you're like, wait, I have a couple of questions. Like there was a lot we covered there. I want to make sure all questions are answered after that day. And we answer any questions they have that are just lingering that is keeping them from moving forward. I'm all about speed. I'm super impatient. I've taken every personality test that's on earth and all of them say the same thing. You have no patience at all. So I know for me, the reason I went from doing a couple of deals to doing over a million in 12 months is because I asked my mentor, I said to him, if, if, if you got from where I am to where you are, and it took you four years to get from me to you, but with all the knowledge and the hindsight, and you know what went right and wrong, you know what worked and what didn't work, can I do it in a year? Shouldn't I be able to do it in a shorter amount of time? And he said, absolutely. There's no reason why not. That's all I needed. And I did it in 12 months. So this course is a four-week course because I don't think I want, I'm not interested in teaching people how to be successful in 10 years. That's That doesn't interest me. I want to teach people how to see results and big results massively change their life within 12 months. And so that's what my course is. It's a four-week course to des- designed to get you to seven figures, get you on that path within the first 12 months. And, and I don't want to overpromise either, right? I'm not going to say you're going to make seven figures within the four weeks. That's insane, right? That's just, that's a silly inflated promise. It takes a little time, but it takes about four weeks to get the knowledge and to get on the right track so that you are on pace to make that million dollars in 12 months. Nice. That's, that's powerful. Um, so, you know, with, with some of the, the franchisees that I've got that are listening in and watching uh, today, you know, they, they've put a lot of capital into their business. They've probably bought some, uh, some property owner occupied where they, they own the real estate that they're, they are in now. And most of them have, have started to kind of pay down. They've got some equity that has built up there and, um, you know, they're not sure how to branch out at this point. Um, you know, is, is there a way from, you know, to, to get some coaching from you, on how to use that equity properly uh, to, the, to to branch out to maybe some other real estate that, that is not that owner occupied commercial real estate is that is, is there any part of coaching that 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 could come into play there for for, for these business owners yeah, yeah. if they want to if they want to take some of that equity and figure out how to put that into real estate profitably hundred percent the program will cover that for them and by the way I should mention if if you agree Matt tell me if you agree and I won't go down this road if you disagree. But if you do, you agree that successful entrepreneurs, successful businesses, some of the principles, the way they run their business, the strategies can work in any industry, right? Basic business, right? So in that case, I would suggest to you that if they take my course, I can almost 1000% guarantee you that if they only take from it, the business practices and the business strategies that I'm teaching in the course, it will be worth 10 times what they pay for it. hundred percent. Even if they say, you know what? Real estate's not for me. I don't really want to do real estate. I promise you they'll come from that course and they'll go, I learned more about business in that course than I've learned anywhere else in my life. So I really do believe that the business principles are well worth their time. 
It, it's it's funny you mentioned that uh, that one of the questions I had written down that I, I really do like to kind of dive into sometimes, and and you hit on it a little bit earlier. Um, is I you know I firmly believe that sales is sales is sales, and you talked about when you went from UPS to uh, to your sales job, and um, you know one thing I was going to ask is at what point did you realize that sales is basically everything in life, whether it's you trying to date the girl next door or you trying to sell your idea to an employee or me trying to sell my, you know, franchising uh, idea to a, to a store manager that might want to become a business owner. Was there a time where you can specifically kind of think back and say, I remember when I realized sales is sales is sales or sales is everything. Yeah. I can't say it. I can't remember like a day and where I was sitting, but I will say I'm embarrassed to say I didn't realize it when I was working in sales in the automotive industry. It didn't occur to me then. And I'll be perfectly honest. I am not the best salesperson in the world. So I moved around the automotive industry from sales to purchasing and design. I did a lot of stuff, but when I, when I started my business and I started hiring, that's when it occurred to me how important and how ubiquitous sales is. You're right. It's everything. It's how you get your kids to behave. It's how you get your wife to agree to let you do whatever, you know, buy a four wheeler. Like it's everything is sales, everything you do. And so that occurred to me when I, when I started my business and started hiring and understanding the power of, of sales. Uh, Another principle uh, that it's kind of funny with me looking back, you know, I've owned, uh, multiple businesses for six years now. And, you know, early on when people would come to me and say, hey, I've got a business deal I want you to look at, you know, I'd look at the numbers, I'd go look at the business, I'd kind of feel out what was going on, I would mull over these decisions and look back at the numbers five times and then, you know, uh, you know, feel it out in my heart and all these different things. And I would, I'm a back and forth emotional type person. And it wasn't until about a year and a half ago, um, but I really, you know, I, I got to a point where it's it's a yes or a no, and it's really quick, and it's look at the numbers, like see what's going on, and it's like a light switch that goes off in my head, and 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 the more that I get further into business, the more that I see that the top level players, they literally, there it is, there's the numbers, yes, we 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 want to go yep. down this road, or no, we don't, and they make decisions really quick, and and you said that you are a you're, you're a you know, let's go get it done now type guy. But, you know, speaking about principles, that that principle specifically, um, you know, when was it for you that that light switch started getting faster and faster? You know, is is that kind of how you make decisions on real estate today? hundred percent. That's how I make decisions. I, I teach people actually, once you understand the mechanics of the calculations that go into deciding whether or not a property is a good, good opportunity or not, it needs to be quick. It doesn't take that long. And I, what, what I have observed, and I'll answer your question you asked when it happened for me, but what I've observed with people is when it, the longer it takes them to make the decision, the more they're letting fear talk them out of it, right? There, you, I yes. could make a case for not doing anything you might want to do, right? But at some point, you have to just make a decision. I, with me, where it really uh, was very evident how I was built is after I did my first flip. Uh, it, it was Michigan, right? So we're talking Michigan prices back at the absolute rock bottom, pretty much of house prices. And so I bought a house for $40,000, right? It's like, depending on where you live, 
you might go, you can't buy a garage for $40,000, right? But this was a three-bedroom <laughs> brick ranch in a, in a nice blue-collar neighborhood, right? I bought it. I made $15,000 profit when I sold it after I did all the renovations and all that stuff, right? $15,000. And my wife grew up very poor. I grew up very middle class. I had never seen $15,000 in my life in one place. I just didn't have that kind of money. So once I saw that and I got actual tangible proof, my wife and I, I was like a man possessed. I was about speed. I couldn't wait for anything. And it really, it really uh, clicked in for me. And I I told people, um, uh, I interviewed the gentleman uh, who wrote the book, Traction, Gino Wickman. And I told him when I was interviewing him, or I asked him at first, and I said, my theory is, and I asked people this on my podcast, do you think entrepreneurs are made or are they born? Right? Are you born an entrepreneur or are you made? Right? Here's my theory. I think, I think you can have both, but I think sometimes you can be born an entrepreneur and not know it until you're put in the right environment. And I, I, my analogy to him that he loved was, it's like a piano prodigy, right? It's a kid, the normal kid. You put them down at a piano and they start playing like Beethoven. And you go, what in the world, right? They're a piano prodigy. But they didn't know until you put the piano in front of them. I didn't know who I was, how I was built, the way that I function normally until I was put in an environment where that could thrive. When you're in the automotive, you're sitting in a cubicle, you're working for the manager, like you have to conform. You do everything the way they want you to do it, when they want you to do it, how they want you to do it. Once I was given an open range and I was sort of looking out at this vast world of that was in front of me and I could start making decisions, I wanted them to go like this. I, I didn't have any patience. I wanted to see results now. Like I was, I, like I said, I was possessed. I was like a man who just discovered air and I couldn't get enough of it, right? I'm just like, this is great. I can breathe. So for me, it was the minute I did my first deal and, and that was like five months after getting my first property under contract and it closed and I saw the process, I saw the results, I saw the profit. I was like, why wouldn't I do this a hundred times this year? Like why? And I was just, I was possessed at that point. Wow. That's, that's powerful stuff. And it's funny to see, we, we talk about the parallels that go back and forth between the different businesses. Um, I, I, I'm, I love where we're going with this whole thing. Uh, you, you said, uh, the the podcast you've got going you do that weekly um yep. and and are most of your guests yeah so so most of your guests that come on um are real estate uh related uh are, are there are there um other other principles that 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 you you have heard from the guests that have come on with you that you know as as, as soon as you hear those you're like yeah got got to implement that 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 uh you know that that might have happened in the last last year or so yeah so you know there's this whole short term rental trend that's happening right now and i never really thought it was something i wanted to do but i've recently interviewed some folks that were doing that and doing it in a way that was attractive to me and so I do hear principles from time to time. The problem is, and you may or may not resonate with this, I don't know, but I have a little bit of entrepreneurial ADD and I have to control that a little bit because I have people come on all the time that have wildly successful businesses and they're super enthusiastic about what they do. And it makes me go, 
that sounds awesome. I would like, but I know I, I can't, you, you can't fracture yourself so much that you sort of aren't good at anything. You need to have a little bit of focus, right? And you're a guy who has multiple businesses. So my guess is when you hear an opportunity that sounds amazing, there's a part of you that's drawn to it, right? And so I always have guests on, I try to write notes when I'm, when I'm interviewing and I try to implement and take things from that interview that I can apply to my businesses the way they are right now. If something that I really believe is too good to, to not consider comes up, I'll consider. And short-term rentals are one of those things. So my, I have a daughter who's of an old enough age that she wants to get involved. And so we just started like this month, a short-term rental business where we're going to start acquiring and renting out Airbnb and do that. And I think that'll be fun, not only to do with her, but I think it'll be fun just for me to have uh, an outlet, a creative outlet, right? It's because I don't know a lot about that world. And it's fun for me to be back in the learner seat again and, and right. get that knowledge and deploy it and, and have some success and bring my daughter along with me. Awesome. So what I, I have to know, um, you know, some, some of the very first principles that you're trying to pass down to her. I mean, I've, I've got a son that's a little bit younger. He's not ready yet. You know, he, he's still in, in school. Um, but, you know, you, we always try to kind of, you know, shield and, and make sure that we, we put our kids into a safe spot. But, you know, we also know from business that the ones that have had to go through the tough spots, um, you know, the, those are the ones that usually make it, the, the ones that have gone yeah. through the, the hard times. How do we how do we kind of go down those roads as as parents to make sure they're going to be successful yeah. and and they 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 know what it's like? I mean, do you, do you do you use kind of telling your own story over and over? Is that is that part of what you do? Well, she was there. She saw what happened, and she kind of knows my she knows my story. Um, I was a very protective dad, and I still am, but I was super protective when they were younger. Um, and so my inclination or my, my, my intuition or normal tendency is to protect, but we have done a few flips together and I, I have forced her to go out and evaluate properties without me. I've had her go out and resolve contractor, uh, issues without me because I know ultimately I'm not going to live forever. And if, you know, it's, it's the whole teach a man to fish versus giving a man to fish. I'm trying to teach her to fish because if I just keep giving her that fish, she's only eating as long as I'm handing her a fish. And I don't, I don't want that. I want her to be um, self-sufficient. Now, the flip side of that is I think a little bit of personality, like innate personality comes into play here. I have two daughters. One could not care less about being an entrepreneur. She's a teacher. She likes being a teacher. There's no part of her that is burning to run a business and deal with all that at all. My younger daughter, she has more drive and fire and than I had ever at her age, ever. And so she will completely dwarf whatever I do. I guarantee it because she's starting much younger. And so I think the personality plays into it. So when I give her something and say, this is your responsibility, this is on you, don't come to me for every question. If you get real stuck, we'll talk, but I want you to handle it. That's all I have to say to her. And she goes and handles it. She has more of that than, than I do. And I'm just, I'm in awe of her, honestly, when she's, when she's, when she's in the business working, because early on, I, I tried to help her 
And she didn't understand that she was allowed to do anything on her own because as growing up, I was very much in control and I was very protective. And she just sort of defaulted to waiting for me. But we finally had a moment where I said, Lindsay, why haven't you done that? We talked about it. You're supposed to do it. And she said, I thought I, I was waiting for you to tell me what to do. And I said, no, you go and figure it out. You know enough. You make decisions. I don't care what you do. Just do it. And she said, wow, I didn't know that I was allowed to do that, right? And so from that point forward, like everything started moving, right? I got the gunk out of the gears because she was she stopped waiting for me. And so to answer your question very succinctly, I try to throw her out into the world with knowledge, but let her handle it. Because ultimately, you learn better from doing things and, and even making mistakes as a great teacher. And that's how I learned. And, and I really want her to be successful. So, And she's willing, right? She's not... She's not meek. She's not like scared. She wants to take control. And so I'm giving her as much of that as she can handle. So with your, with your four week course that you, you've got that, that you're building and, and taking, do you typically like to stay on as a mentor to kind of see that through? Um, or is it, a, you know, wh yeah. what are your expectations by the time that four week uh, presentation is finished? My expectations is that they will have a very clear plan and will have gotten started on how and what I did and what they need to do to build a seven-figure business. I can do that in four weeks. Now, some people, I was this way, when, when my mentor sat down with me, I spent about four weeks asking him questions and, and learning, right? It wasn't as formal. It was really more me coming to him when I had questions. But after that was over, I put my head down. He didn't hear from me for months because I was executing, right? And so part of the course is not only how to do it, but how to do it, not only the steps, but but how to do it successfully. So to answer your question, there's an opportunity for them at the end. If they want ongoing contact with me, that's a whole separate conversation. It's not part of the course. Um, but I believe that that course will give them everything they need. So they won't need to look back and say, what about it? It's thorough, man. I'm telling you, I've seen this a thousand times. I know exactly what they're going to come up against. I know exact. I know all the questions I'm going to get after I present. I know the questions I'm going to get. I already know them because I've answered them a thousand times. So I know what it takes very clearly. Now, I always tell people that take my courses, the course is over in four weeks. If you email me two months from now, five months from now, a year from now, I will answer your email and I will help you. I'm never closed off. It's not that kind of relationship. I don't have that, that kind of an attitude where it's like, we're done. Our, it, once I have a relationship with somebody and once they've put their trust in me, and they've invested in something that I that I'm putting out to the world. I'm going to be there for them, right? Is it formal? I'll call you once a week. We'll talk for an hour. No, but if they want that kind of formal and in depth relationship going past the 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 course, there is an option for that. That I I, I don't. It's not formal. I don't really want to talk about it now because I don't know sure. what that looks like. But I will sure. make myself available to anyone who wants a formal ongoing relationship. We can we can discuss that. Very fair. Yeah. And, 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 you know, my big reason for asking that type thing is that, you know, we, we all, I, I love the, the aspect of just being a mentor. I love being a mentor, but like you, I didn't have many, you know, I love my dad to death. My dad owned one single furniture store for 35 years and he added on a second one, you know, five years before he retired. And that was all he ever did. He was great at running those two stores but he only went as far as he knew. And so, you know, I could use him as a mentor to just get started. 
but um, but getting past there and getting now to to 15 furniture stores and you know uh, and and starting to get into real estate and the different things that I have done, um, you know I I had to take those arrows and and you know in my own back and yep. uh, for 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 people that are listening uh, that are you know just starting out from a, a business ownership perspective, um, you know ha- having a, a mentor in real estate. I mean the the the, the big players in the world all have something going on with, with real estate. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's what I have seen and, uh, I will continue to do that myself. And, um, it is, uh, it's Mike Simmons. He's just started, I'm sorry, just start real estate, uh, he, uh, getting his course going actually for, for the new one coming out. Uh, really excited for that one. Uh, anything you feel like I, I need to touch on a little bit further or, uh, well, I will say, <clears throat> I will say just start real estate in the concept of just starting. I really look at this as it's it's relative, right? It, it doesn't imply just start from scratch or just start from ground zero. Sometimes like your dad, he had a store for, you know, 30 years before he got a second one. If if in year two of having that that one store, if he would have say to himself or say to someone, boy, I'd really like to have a a, a lot more of these then my my reaction to him would be the same way let's just start let's go right let's let's get it going so just start can it's relative if you've got a business that you're running and you've done a few flips or whatever and you want to scale it but you're putting it off cuz you don't know how to scale it you don't know how to hire you don't know how to delegate you don't know how to create systems you don't know how to build a framework for a company let's go get started let's do this right it doesn't have to be for the new person I think at any level you are, right? I can bench press, I can't, but if I could bench press 250 pounds and I said, I want to get to 350, okay, you have to start the process of getting to where you want to go. And sometimes you're starting the process a few steps down the road, a mile down the road. But but at some point you have to stop thinking about what you want to do and stop wishing that you could do it and stop watching other people do it and start. That's key. When I started my podcast, I listened to so many podcasts like yours and they would have people on and and sometimes very famous people, very, very influential people that I really thought a lot of. And at the end of it, they would ask a question like you just did. Any, any parting words, anything you want people to know? And inevitably, almost every one of them said some version of just get started, like just start, stop thinking about it and start. And so that's how I think that that applies to all levels of business, right? There, there was a point where Facebook wanted to do something different, right? Back in the early 2000s or mid 2000s, they had to just get going on that plan and move it forward. So it's just about getting off your butt and doing the thing you say you're going to do, whether you have some success or none, you still have to start. Spot on. I can't thank you enough for stopping by and being uh, being on with us today. And uh, just start and the uh, the the actual podcast is just start um, just start real estate. Yep. Just start just start real estate. And uh, so jump on that. And uh, really excited for for everything. And and I can't wait to talk further with you uh, from my real estate investing perspective. And uh, can I say I'm, one more I'm thing sure. before we get done? I I, I, I I've it. talked about it. my program and I, I failed to mention. If you guys go to go to seven figure investor, the word seven spelled out sevenfigureinvestor.com. That's how you can find out more about my course if you're interested. Perfect. I'm doing that now. I'll put some notes on there as well. And uh, thank you so much. I sincerely appreciate it. And Thanks, uh, man. I'm sure we will we will talk soon. All right. Thank you, man. Yes. Sir.